Bandwidth for all shows on the Aussie Tech Heads network is supplied by Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting. For a fast, affordable and reliable Australian server with fantastic support, contact Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting at aussietechheads.com.au. Aussie Tech Heads, Australia's best hosting service. Aussie Tech Heads again. How are you going? Welcome to another episode. This week, we're recording Thursday night, 9th of April, 2015. I hope you've had a good week since we last spoke. And uh, well, you know, you listen, we speak. <laughs> so I hope you've had a good week anyhow, since uh, since when it was you last heard us. Uh, what's been going on? Well, not too much. Uh, no, not too much. I've been busy at work. Yes, oh, I've got a, I've got plenty of questions to ask Jace tonight, but uh, let's uh, well, let's have a chat to him first. But before we do, we must thank Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting, athwebhosting.com.au. <laughs> That's us. So uh, just we like to thank ourselves every now and then. Uh, if you want a web web hosting service that's got Australian based servers, come on over to us and have a look at our pricing, and you'll find that we're pretty competitive. Uh, and we offer a great Australian server-based uh, service. All right, and also to scopeiteducation.com.au. We'll be hearing more about what they do later on in the episode. But now it's time to say hello to Jason. Hello, Jace. How are you going? Hey, how you doing, Eglin? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, just us two I'm this here. week. Yes. I'm reliable. Yes. <laughs> i got no life. Oh, well, let's uh, – well, I think what's happened for the, the rundown, uh, Shane, hiatus <laughs> – <laughs> I don't know what that means. He's just busy. Dale. No, no, he's uh, he's busy. I just like the hiatus. That's how he's. That's how he said he, he was on. He says I'm on hiatus. Because... Like the, the the guy who um, went to visit his next door neighbour, and he is like, he noticed that his garbage bins hadn't been put out, and he went to him. He said, "Where's your bin?" He said, "Oh, I've been to Queensland." He said, no, no, your wheelie bin. Where's your wheelie bin? He said, oh, I've really been in jail, but I tell everyone I've been to Queensland. <laughs> now, that, that's the politically correct version of that one, I feel. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, Shane, is, uh, yeah, he's got some study going on and he's been asked to work late. So he's, he's not available for a couple of weeks. Uh, Will, he's uh, working hard. He's not available this week. And poor Eric, got the, he's got the, the sniffles. So uh, get, well, get well soon, Eric. Uh, we're thinking about you. All right. Now, do you like the shirt? Can you read that? I'm a lot cooler on the internet. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, you, you love shirts, don't you? I noticed that. I know. Yeah, yes. You posted one up there on the Facebook earlier. Bedrooms and bathrooms. From bedrooms to billions. That's right. What is that about a book? About the his- retro history of computers from the 1980s up till now is a uh, movie. There's a lot of merchandise and stuff. I watched the movie. It's pretty good. So a lot of interviews with um, famous retro um, people who made music and games for Commodore 64, ZX81, Spectrum and all of that. Right. So um, and Amiga. It's got uh, like Rob Hubbard and Ben Daglish who did music for a lot of games for these 8-bit computers and it's got the whole history there. It's a fantastic show. So yeah, right. I decided to support them on Kickstarter. So I got the movie download. Um, DVDs are coming, and I got that shirt just now tonight. 
Oh, excellent work. So what, are you a bit of a shirt collector? Seem to be. Now, um, good thing was these, this and many others have been coming into uh, Kmart for 10 bucks. So I'm like, okay. I'll get this one. I got a Pac-Man one just recently because uh, there's a guy I follow on Facebook and Twitter called Oz Retro Gamer and he posts mm-hmm. all the stuff about Oz Australian uh, retro stuff. He's in Melbourne as well. And uh, he posted this picture of himself at, um, well, he doesn't never post his face. So I don't know what he looks like, but <laughs> he took a photo of the Pac-Man shirt at Kmart. And I was like, oh, my God, i got to get that. And so I, I ran that. out as soon as I finished work, I went straight to Kmart and got it. Oh, you should have rang him up and said, oh, put one behind the counter for me. <laughs> that's what you're doing it and then she's going oh, I've got some nerd on the phone <laughs> not a bloody another bloody nerd yeah, wants me to put a Pac-Man shirt away for him God, alright now uh, look thanks to everyone that uh, that sends in donations we can we do accept donations off the web page. Uh, not that they, we request them, but if you do happen to come across the web page uh, and you see that one, well, and yes, thank you to everyone that does that. Uh, we, we've had a, a yeah little... that thousand dollar check we got last time was quite good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, bought heaps of coffee. Had a lovely holiday. Yes. No, we got a couple of cups of coffee this week, so that was that's excellent news. We thank you very much. And uh, look, also that my, that email that I went through last week that I didn't actually get to because I didn't have the name who sent it to me. Well, I've got it this week. So huh. it was from Stuart. So thanks, Stuart, for your email. He was listening to the podcast a couple of weeks ago when I mentioned that how I was doing, I set the Minecraft server up on AWS. And he's, he, he's, he's into it. He says, for a few years, I've set up Minecraft servers for friends and family using MineOS Turnkey and highly recommends it. Uh, it is a self-contained system built on Debian Linux, but everything has been stripped out of Debian except for what is required to host a Minecraft server. This means it can run on very modest hardware or set up as a virtual machine. That's look, that's something probably where I'm going to go when I get a, when I get five minutes. Uh, it looks like you know the AWSs and all that they're going to cost too much to to do. Um, so I think you know, so so your upload speed, Jace, that that's enough, is it, to to run the the Minecraft? Like yeah, that. it doesn't really need that many packets. Mostly the problems that Minecraft has is uh, RAM and CPU speed um, and even more RAM. So if you've got some good RAM in there, a few gigs, you should be right. Yeah. Um, another place if people are looking for somewhere to host and they don't know that much about um, computers themselves, Creeperhost in the UK, uh, very good. They're really good. They, you just say, I want a server. They're like, okay, your server's up and going. You can log into a web console, type in the name for your server so you can have, you know, Bob's really cool server or cool server 25 or whatever you want. Mm. Um, and it's already up and going. You don't really have to do anything. You can add on extra plugins and things by just clicking on things in the interface to do a search and it installs. And yeah, right. they've got their own um, <clears throat> editors that they've written in the browser so you can edit the text files and change settings or just tick boxes and type in numbers instead of knowing how to edit files. So it's really good, very easy to use. Now, so if I was to set it up on my, on a, on a say, a dedicated machine here, uh, can I, how easy is it, is it to back it up? Like, so, I, so if... You just copy the files, but they can get quite large into the gigs. Right. Depending on how much exploring the kids do. <laughs> right. oh, that My uh, backups really are currently about six gigs each. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. If you bought it like a little external hard drive or something, uh, you could just back yeah. it up onto that. Yeah, that's I mean, all right. You could run it on a small Pentium or something like that, even running Windows. Um, all of the 
Oh, every copy of Minecraft since probably about a year ago have got a built-in server and client. They used to have them separated, but um, every uh, client that you have is also a server. So if you just have a couple of kids at home that just want to play together, if one of them starts up the uh, game and then turns on uh, share this game, it, the other person just can connect to their IP address on the correct port. It'll tell you, yeah. I, this server has been started. Here's the IP address. Connect on this port. Right. And then even if they're, if they're on the same LAN, they can just do a search and it'll search the LAN and find any open servers in the house that you can connect to and just connect up to the other person. They can play together. Yeah, so it's pretty because my two are on the <coughs> iPads, playing on the iPad and it just comes up in blue. The one that's yep. shared or whatever, but yeah. So Stuart did. He he says he went. He goes on to say he has been running on a ten-year-old Dell PC that has a Pentium four two gig RAM. It runs fine. Once you set it up, it acts as a headless server, so you can leave it plugged in somewhere out of the way, like those all those old Windows eight machines in cupboards we used to hear about not too <laughs> long ago. Just turning away, finding behind a brick wall. Some yeah. servers too. <laughs> knock that wall out. Knock that wall out. Okay. Oh, oh there's a couple of Windows 8 uh, servers in Windows from? 98 <laughs> servers. Yeah. Uh, so once you start it up, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So also being Linux is very stable and secure, but you don't need to know Linux to use MineOS. You can run multiple servers on the same box, start, stop servers, manage white blacklists and configure backups. Oh, there we go. You answered my question. I didn't read it properly, did I? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And uh, he's given us a link, minecraft.com. Code emo.com. So see, there's code emo. So there's two E's in there. So, but if you if you Google it, you'll get it. And uh, it's free. So there you go. It's a great way to utilize your old PC if you're into Minecraft and you want to do that. So thanks, Stuart. That is very helpful. I'll be looking at the code or the code emo site. And they even I'll, do um, packages for like your Synology servers and stuff like that. So if you've got a Synology file server, you can download a Minecraft package and run it on there. You can probably run two people. If you've got a low-powered um, version, you could probably run a couple of people okay. But once you get to like three or four, you want to have a really good uh, amount of RAM because mm. a lot of them only come with like half a gig of RAM or maybe one gig if you're really, really lucky. But the more RAM you can throw at it, the better. And otherwise, you just... You go to a place where there used to be your house, and suddenly there's a great big hole in the ground because it didn't. The, the uh, computer couldn't keep up with the swapping the RAM out to the hard drive yeah, and back yeah. again. So, if you've got like one or two gigs of RAM in a Synology server or something like that, you can even run Minecraft from there. Hmm. Good stuff. Now, look, we'll get we'll jump into the probably the biggest story of the week, and, and that's the the biggest. Oh, I don't know. I was going to say a big scary. Scare story, but it could Rah. get yeah, it could get pretty real for some people, I'd imagine. And that's, of course, is the this decision to bring down uh, the uh, on the side of the movie copyright people, you know, against the IINet in particular, and a couple what nine other little ISPs or something. Um, yes. Yeah, so, did you want to explain that, Jace? What what's happened through? What's happened? What's the what's the decision? Um, well, there was a, a movie, Dallas Cowboys, that a lot of people have downloaded from BitTorrent. And uh, the people who made the movie, the movie studios, have been trying to say that they've been tracking people through BitTorrent and getting a bunch of IP addresses of all of these people. And they say everyone likes to go after IINet because they can't go after Telstra Optus because they're too big. So they pick the next biggest one that so they think they can bully around. So it's always IINet. Nobody has ever complained that Telstra mm. people are... So just fair income. Stuff. That's fair income. Yeah. 
Because I, sorry, I just didn't interrupt your little explanation yeah, there. But yeah, because I was thinking about that the other night when this came out, and I thought, okay, maybe Telstra and Optus and that have already doing it. I was of the impression that they weren't getting asked to do it. It does seem crazy, doesn't it, that they're mm. picking on an II net or a smaller one? Uh, and what it tells you, just that big, they just fob them off and go, go away. Here's a Probably, bunch yeah. of lawyers. Go and sort it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, so they're like, well, we couldn't fight somebody with lots of money, so let's look. The next, no, Optus is a bit big because, you know, they're powered by Singtel, so maybe next one down. Oh, II net. Let's try them. Let's they seem them. to be like small fry, and they turn out not to be because II net's always fighting back. Mm. Um and so they reckon they've sent all these IP addresses to IONET and said, can you tell these people that they're in big trouble because they've been copying our movie? So I can't see, like, what if they're picked on IONET, surely if they get a – maybe because they – okay, this is their plan. This is how it's going. I can see. what the, the, the waters have cleared. The skies have cleared for me. They're going after a smaller ISP to get the landmark decision because IONET probably only have 25 lawyers – where Telstra's probably got 125. So they've gone after IINet, 25 lawyers, yep, we can handle them. Uh, we'll, you know, blah, 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 whatever. They won't be as smart as Telstra, so we'll get the landmark decision, and then we can go and just go to Telstra. Hey, we've already got the decision, so show us show us the addresses. Do you reckon that's how it's, how, why it's working like that? Do you reckon that's Yeah, it? something like that. They're trying to bully them around. Mm, um, get in the back. I was just reading. As, I mean, IINet can... Um, can launch a, uh, it says, IONET has welcomed a landmark piracy judgment handed down by a federal court saying the legal case has shed light on the practice of speculative invoicing and ruling, and the ruling prevents its customers from being threatened over copyright infringement. So they're going to fight back anyway. Yeah, but so look, I suppose they can appeal. Yeah, so look, look, it's probably sent the, the shivers up a lot of people, well, 4,726 people, and they're probably yep. unaware of who they are at this moment in time. But look, they've used some software. Apparently, uh, the the company behind the Dallas Cowboys or whatever it is, apparently it was a really crap movie anyway, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, it's probably why they want to get some money because nobody watched it and paid <laughs> money for it. So they're like, well, let's sue somebody and get money. That always works for patent trolls and such. Yeah, so they've... Um yeah, so what they've they've employed some German software. I don't know why they need to, you know, outsource software, but but anyway, they, they've employed this. They've got this software, and so they've downloaded. Apparently, they've downloaded a version of the movie and re-uploaded or seeded it or something. I can't actually remember now how that worked, but in any case, uh, the, the once you hook up to their seed, they can see you download you downloading uh which comes to my second query is that but are they are they saying that downloading is illegal or is it the sharing that they're really crying about which i think is the sharing that there's really crying about but then you know when you're torrent you're not really sharing the whole movie you're only sharing a you know maybe you only share the bits you've got a poofteenth of it yeah yeah so you're not really you know sharing it too much so one could probably argue maybe that's fair use I don't know. I don't know. It mm. seems all dodgy, though, doesn't it? It says the uh, ruling means that about 4,700 Australian internet account holders whose service was used to share Dallas, Cal Buyers, Dallas Buyers Club on the internet from as early as May 2013 are soon likely to receive legal letters from Dallas Buyers Club, LLC's Australian lawyers threatening legal action. 
Yeah. Uh, this occurred in the US where legal action was threatened against account holders claiming they are liable for damages of up to $150,000 US. Oh, jackpot, ching ching. And some pay, some cases, uh, settlements of about 7000 US were paid. Mm. So what would you do, Jay, if you got a letter? What would you do? Would you just sit tight for a bit or would you go, mm, okay. after the After the doctors revived me? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I would just wait to see what happens with IONET because, mm. as I mentioned, IONET's going to fight back against it and they'll appeal. Um, they've got lawyers, so let them fight about it. And uh, if it came to it, I guess you would have to figure out what to do, maybe lawyer up yourself. Yeah, that's right. And look, I, I can't see that... Get Netflix, people. Stop turning. So 4,726 is not a big number. So this, you'd probably have to say that this is probably just Cedars. That they've been after, like there's probably more leeches than that. Probably why it's 150 grand each because they couldn't get that many people. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, let's say we probably would have made 50 billion dollars. Let's divide that by 4,700 people. Okay, 150 grand each. Yeah, yeah. We found more people. You would have been paying less. It's your own fault. Dobbing your next door neighbour. (laughs) So I don't know. Is there is there a safe way to BitTorrent? Um, probably not. Probably not. Uh, oh, they'll bring out encrypted BitTorrent. It already exists, so people just switch over to that. Yeah, because there's uh, there's uh, there's other ways apparently out there that you can go that aren't a BitTorrent as such. And I think there's probably other ways out there that you can go without actually seeding as you download. Check out the news groups; they're full of it. People use stuff like Couch Potato and Sickbeard on their Synology server with a membership to a news group where all the movies are, and they can just download it from there. Yeah, so I suppose if you're just downloading, you're not really sharing. So therefore, you know, they've got to go. And then some of these things, when you hook up to these news groups, it's all SSL anyway. Does that make any difference? Yeah, well, they can't read what you're doing. doing. All they know is you've got a connection to a news group for some reason. Mm. Can't see what's in it. So Mm. So all they know, you're posting happy picture birthday, happy birthday pictures or something. Yeah, so look, you just got to, um, if 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 you're one of those people that likes doing the wrong way then there's probably ways that you can do it that you can um yeah google google it and find out how to do it a bit better yeah, they've had encrypted bit torrent around for a while just nobody has really cared right okay yeah okay well, they're gonna, i think people are going to start caring now aren't they yeah well particularly that and now that the the um tpp agreement's also going to bring in the three strike rule to australian isps so you do the wrong thing three times as the same as other countries, then you'll be blocked from purchasing an internet account with any provider in Australia. Yeah, right. Wow. That's going to, yeah, look, I know. I think um, Mark that used to do the show, he got a letter once and I think he was with a local ISP and it was about, you know, you've downloaded the, an incorrect <laughs> file and uh, this is your first warning. So I think the warning letters have been around. Some ISP has, have been doing them. But yeah, would would certainly send the shiver down your spine, wouldn't it? If you got one, you go, oh, yeah, yep. oh no, 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 that movie wasn't worth that much, surely. But you know, like now we've got Netflix and Presto and Stan. Like, who needs it now? I know you remember when Presto uh, Stan came out, we we bagged its name, going, oh why yep. why Stan? Well, I was watching. Is it in England that, that there's a streaming service called Dave? That's obviously where no, they got TV channel. Is that what it is? A TV channel called TV Dave? TV channel named Dave after Dave Lister, the main uh, character from Red Dwarf. Oh, right, right. Well, I thought that maybe... They showed a lot of Red Dwarf reruns plus a lot of other stuff on there. I thought maybe that's where Stan got their inspiration from. <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's, oh, England's got Dave. 
Can't we Dave go? sounds better than Stan. We'll just have Stan. He's our man. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, uh, oh, look, and also this week, uh, that, that today, wasn't it? Telstra was supposed to be upping all the the uh, the data. Quitters. Yeah. yeah, has that? Do you know if that's happened? It hasn't happened to me. I've been waiting. I know. I just threw away Telstra. I do laugh yeah. though because I see ads in the street around town, and it's got um, join up for Telstra, pay thirty dollars a month for one point three gigabyte. You sign up for any of the others like Optus, you get one point five. So they're even scamming you out of like two hundred megabytes for nothing. <laughs> Come on, guys, pull your finger out. Give them one point five. Yeah, like two hundred meg, like fair income. Oh, that's that's a bit crazy isn't it but, but uh, um i have to give it to them they're they're joining jumping on the bandwagon that everybody else has got now that if you go over your quota instead of charging you a gajillion dollars for every bite that you do they're going to do the same as what um optus do for me and if i have 1.5 gigabytes and i go over that rather than charging me per megabyte or something like that then they just give you another um gigabyte for 10 bucks yeah, right. It yeah. automatically yeah. charge you that, so you know you've got exactly ten dollars that you're going to be charged. Yes. Not get a bill for ninety dollars, and you're like, "What happened here?" Well, you went over, and then we switched over to charging you two dollars mm. per megabyte or something. You're like, "What the hell?" Because another thing that I look, I, I realize they've been doing this for a long time, but it, as I was just going through plans and you know the Telstra speak just the other night, and you know they've still got one gig is a thousand meg. Like they can't even, they don't even want to give you the extra twenty-four meg for the gig for each gig. It'll always so be like that. Same as hard hard drives, right? You can never get a five hundred gig hard drive. No, I know it's it's, it's crazy. I don't know why, but uh, but yeah. So anyway, I haven't seen the Telstra things. I, I've I've heard about people getting them. The increase in the, the data allowances on mobile and home, but yep. as yet I haven't received my email. So I wonder no, where that is. Sad. It is sad. I'll start crying in a minute. So yeah. to counter that, they invented things like the gigabyte and the kibabyte and things like that. Oh, what's all that? Just check out Google. Okay, I will. Is that like the 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 uh, Clayton's gigabytes and stuff? Well, that's what they're calling the one hundred two four now. See. Oh really? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. That Clayton. That's a word you haven't heard for a while, isn't it? Remember that one saying? Gib- one, one gigabyte equals 1,024 megabytes. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Is, is, is this a joke? <laughs> What's going Sounds on? Sounds like it, but it's serious. <laughs> it's deadly serious, Glenn. Oh, it's deadly serious. It's a joke. Put that. I thought that was coming from your act. It's not- <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of jokes, though, didn't I get caught out with um, the April Fool stuff? Um, oh, no. I was saying that Microsoft were doing um, DOS for uh, Windows Mobile Phone as a joke. It was actually, it's a real app. It right. works. Right. Um, it gives you a DOS prompt. You can type in commands, DIR, um, edit files. You can edit um, autoexec.bat oh, and config.sys. Really? You can type in the word camera on the command prompt and it'll launch a little camera window that shows you a blocky 8-bit v- uh, image, mm-hmm. so it takes takes the real image that the uh, Windows Phone camera can see, and then blockifies it so it looks like an old eight bit one. Right. And um, I was also mentioning that um, Amazon had this pretend thing that they had on April the first, where it had a button for like your washing detergent, and if you press that, then the next day the deter- that detergent would turn up at your house. It's true. Right. It actually is a real thing. So wow. 
wow. you have your washing detergent, you're running out of boost or something, press the excuse me, press the button on the wall, it's hooked up like Bluetooth or through your Wi-Fi, and it'll order you some more um, washing detergent turned up on your doorstep the next day if you're an Amazon Prime member. I can get why that they've done that now, but what with the DOS prompt thing, why? Why? Because they can, and they thought it was funny. So okay, so they've gone. They've released this on April Fools. Going, hey, everyone's going to think it's a it's a joke, and then it turned out to be real. So everyone got fooled anyway. Yep. Yeah, and they <laughs> they downloaded it. My boss at work downloaded it onto his window phone and uh, plays a little, puts it on there. You can um, start the internet, and when you click on the, I can't remember if you type internet to start it or something like that. A command prompt, and it boots up and it goes. <laughs> Like it's connecting through a modem. Oh, no. Oh, look, that's probably pretty funny. It's pretty probably just a little um, something good to have, isn't it? They probably just made a little emulator, DOS emulator, like DOSBox or something, mm. and put it in there, and it just works from there. So, Well, I'll tell you, another uh, another app that's completely useless and pointless, and it'll, it'll relieve you of $2.50 from the App Store, or the uh, iOS App Store, but it's pretty cool, is, um, now, I'll get the name of it, and it's not for everyone, obviously, once you hear this. But it's called, it's, it looks like it's just called TARDIS. Now, it is a Doctor Who app, but it will it, it puts the TARDIS in the real world. So, <laughs> I've taken a Augmented picture. Augmented reality. I've taken a picture. And uh, somewhere, where's my photos? And I'll show you. Oh, for people on the audio, you're not going to see this. I know, I understand. But there you go, in my room. Nice. The TARDIS is in my room. Now, what happens is... It looks big compared to you in that picture. Yes. So what happens is the um, you put your phone in the air and, and you go around like this and you'll see a small little TARDIS somewhere and you, you can look at it and then you push the screen where you want it to land and it will land... In your in your room, and then if you if you say say you want it to land next to the door, okay, it'll land next to the door. So this is on your photo screen, on your screen, obviously. Then you can move your camera around like that, but it knows where the TARDIS was. Oh, okay, so cool. you can move left, no TARDIS. You can move right, no TARDIS. But as you pan from left to right, when you come across where it has landed, it'll still be there. It's pretty nice. wild. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty wild. It's good. It was worth the two dollars fifty. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> You'll have to have a look at that one, Jace. Good for your Facebook pics. Yeah, I'll put one up on the. I'll put one up on Facebook to show you what I'm talking about. But yeah, yep. it's it's pretty cool. But in talking about Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com forward slash Aussie Techheads, and that's not one of the apps I put up because it wasn't free. It was just two bucks or something. But uh, m- most days we get some good little apps that we can put up for free that are free for that day. And there was a good one not too long ago. I don't know if anyone saw it, and I forget what it was now. It was that good. <laughs> But um, uh, it was a good one, and I thought, oh, yeah, I can see me using that. So I downloaded it myself. I'm just going to try and go through my little thing here. Oh, yeah, the photo marks, watermark your photos. I thought that was quite a good one. And uh, I think there was another one, but uh, that, that photo one. Because sometimes, like when I'm out doing work or, you know, you want to take a picture of someone's computer or the guts of it or the motherboard or something, like... I'll keep that and put it on their file so I know what sort of stuff they got. And it's always it's always be handy. Yeah, if I can just write some text onto the photo, well then mm. I don't have when I put it into like Evernote, I don't have to start typing text. I can just put it onto the photo, send it to Evernote, bang, I'm done. 
So, yeah, that was a really good one. So you can get real good stuff. Uh, uh, and Evernote can do OCR on the text that you typed in there as well. Oh, oh really? Can it? Yep. Yeah, cool. Cool. It's not bad, that Evernote, is it? Hmm. Hmm. I use it to store my um, stand-up comedy notes that I make on the road. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Nice. Wait, when's that? When are you planning your, your first hit out? Maybe Monday. Ooh. Where at? Just a little open mic. Yeah, bar in uh, Richmond. Yeah, right. How long's your act go for? Probably about four or five minutes. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> that's the maximum they want you to do for open mics. Yeah, for right. Particularly amateurs. Yeah, right, right. Uh, it's very brave, Jace. <laughs> very brave. <laughs> One of my friends in Sydney um, who has similar sense of humour to me um, started doing it probably about five months ago and he loves it. He goes all the time. Are you going to, uh, is it going to be filmed? Are we going to see it on Facebook? Uh, probably not the first few months. <laughs> we'll see what happens after I get into it a bit more. Yeah, right. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Now, uh, our sponsors, scopeitteducation.au, what they're all about. I'll tell you what they're all about. Kids today are engrossed with technology, often spending excessive hours behind the screens. The scope, the guys at Scope IT Education aim to not fight that war. They instead aim to change those hours into productive hours. They turn consumers into creators. Scope IT Education is a teaching organisation that provides curriculum-based technology training to primary age students. Predominantly, lessons are done within the school system and refined, professionally developed courses that align with the align with and complement current state and national-based outcomes. The course range is vast, with classes in introductory coding skills, with process-based, logical thinking, app development, website design, digital citizenship, Google research, and now even 3D printing, electronics, and robotics. Good stuff. Uh, Of course, all their courses are fun and engaging. They carefully combine this with specific outcomes to help shape our children's education for the future, arming them with the technology skills they will need in the world they grow up in tomorrow. If you think this sounds interesting, they have franchise business opportunities for anyone feeling that this is that this product sounds intriguing. Or if you would like to know more information as a teacher or a principal, check out the website, scopeiteducation.com.au. And uh, yeah, go and check them out because they're, they're into the schools. They're teaching the, the primary school kiddies to code and, and do all this WordPress. And it's great. It's good stuff. And it's also like a, a good little business opportunity for anyone that's looking for a, a, to start up a little franchise. So go and jump on into it. It sounds good. Uh, speaking of the technology of the future, this uh, there's been a bit of talk lately about this Mars expedition. Uh, look, there's, you know, they're, they're saying that it's going to happen. What, 2025, I think they're saying um, that, that they look like they're going to send a mission up to Mars and people are going to go on it and they're going to stay there. So it's all getting exciting. Yep, it's going to be a one-way trip, kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that, a, is that something you're interested in, Jace? Given the sure. opportunity? <laughs> no, me neither. But apparently, if you if you don't get selected, it's pretty hard to get selected. There's only like a select few will be able to go. But there's some dude that is uh, also planning on selling tickets, and they're going to cost you like something like I don't know, was it two hundred fifty thousand? I thought, or maybe a bit more, a couple of million or something. That's a bit of a broad. <laughs> Suddenly all the bankers have left the earth. Yeah, they're going to Mars. But like you can't even breathe up there. Oh, unaided. And the water you've got to purify. So look, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. 
But uh, yeah. But anyway, that's what some people are in. And look, have fun, people. Bye. Yeah. We won't miss you. <laughs> but look, we do need people, you know, like this. We do need explorers. Otherwise, nothing would happen, would it? You know, think of all the explorers that we've had so far. That you know, in the old days when the Earth was flat, they they set out on their big sailing ships and they went. This Earth is not flat, and they rode and rode and rode and sailed and sailed until they went full circle. All right, now Apple, Google and Microsoft have been in the Canberra, in the Senate inquiry, as you would have probably known as well. Australian senators have lashed out at the local boss of technology, Apple, uh, over a perceived lack of transparency in a committee hearing. So the, the three of them have gone in. Apparently the tax office is investigating 12 technology companies all up but it, for some reason the, the big three apple google and microsoft just happen to be probably the most publicized ones but the tax office all well, the ones like rupert murdoch and that they're like you have to come in here and they're like no don't feel like it so we're not going to bother turning up <laughs> rupert rupert can do that yeah he accidentally it's... um transferred two and a half billion dollars out of australia just recently he said it wasn't a tax job you just need to get the money out yeah he's got ex- he's got expenses yeah. So, yeah. Poor guy. Feel sorry for him. <laughs> I can't. How old is he? He's getting on, isn't he? Eleven billion. Yeah, he's getting on, and I think his mother only just died, didn't she? Was that reason? She's not still going. I think she might have just died, and she's a fair age as well. Because you know how old he looks. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to look it up. How old is Rupert? Rupert Murdoch. Let's see how old he is. Born in thirty-one, eighty-four. He is. Yeah, that's good innings, isn't it? There you yep. go, 84. But anyway, uh, get back to the Senate inquiry. The His first real name is Keith. Keith Murdoch. Keith Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, okay. Rupert. Wonder what he, what he, he has a, yeah, his mum died in 2012. Oh, I thought it was more recent than that. Hmm. How old and was his she? His dad died in 1952. Hmm, that's a while ago. Now, anyway... Uh, Tony King, Apple's Managing Director of Australia and New Zealand, joined executives from Microsoft and Google Australia in a Senate committee investigating tax minimisation strategies. The Google and Microsoft executives came clean, (laughs) if you can believe that, apparently, uh, (laughs) during the almost two-hour grilling. Look, I've watched some of these Senate hearings on committees and stuff, and look, they they do attack the people they're investigating, but sometimes I think overly... So I think they sort of stick, they do, they, they do sit there like kings, don't they? Mm. And they just, they want to, they do, they actually they go, oh, we're the king of the world. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Apple, Apple uh, dude, executive, was widely criticised by the panel for refusing to reveal the details of Apple's tax structure. He said he was unable to detail what portion of the $6 billion revenue Apple booked last year went overseas. Uh, so now Nick Xenophon said, I find it extraordinary that you can't answer that. I'll have to ask you to appear again. Uh, I bet he's just going, don't. Why could I have come up with something? Why would you want to go back down there? Um, so he went on to say, we book all our revenues to do with Australian tax here in our books in, a, in Apple Australia. We purchase our products on an arm's length basis from affiliates. We book all costs in Apple Australia's books. We declare all of the income in accordance with Australian tax law and we pay all the taxes that we owe. Now, that is probably very true and I have no doubt about it that that's true. But I think the problem is the bit about the affiliates. That's probably where the problem is, where it's coming from. 
these are these affiliates that are in Ireland and Singapore. So the company reportedly shifted nine billion in uh, Australian profits to its Irish parent in the last ten years prior to two thousand thirteen. So he's the Apple executive denied suggestions Apple was inflating the transfer price of goods to a point where it could lower gross profit to minimise taxable income. Now, look, I went and had a look and thought, what's the difference between tax minimisation and a uh, tax avoidance? Because you're, you're allowed to tax minimise, but you're not allowed to tax avoid. So, and you might think that they're probably bit of a blurry sort of a you know mixture and mud pie of both things it's funny that the the people who are able to afford to be able to minimize their tax shouldn't need to minimize tax the people who can't afford it have to pay lots of tax because you don't know can't afford uh Solicitor or accountant to um, work on your That's tax. Right. Yeah, and like like these guys, the three of them, you know, they probably got oh, as many accountants as they got lawyers. You know, yep. that's crazy. But anyway, you are entitled to minimise your tax liabilities through investment activities and to receive the benefits provided for under the law. Tax minimisation is when you legitimately arrange your tax affairs to reduce the amount of tax you pay. These arrangements comply with both the letter and the spirit of the law. So probably the spirit of the law is the the key point there as well. However, investment schemes and legal structures that do not comply with the law are considered to be aggressive tax planning arrangements, referred to as tax schemes. A tax scheme is an artificial or contrived arrangement to avoid or defer tax obligations. Schemes often involve a series of complex transactions. They typically move funds through several entities such as trusts in order to avoid minimise tax otherwise payable. Schemes may also involve distorting the way funds are being used to enable a tax player, payer to claim deductions they are not entitled to. So I suppose could I, well, if I had to try and give an example, we could say um, negative gearing. Uh, everyone knows pretty much what that is. You've got an investment, say a, a property or some shares or something, you've got a loan against that, then you can offset your expenses you can you can use to reduce your taxable income the expenses that you have of uh making that that money off that investment that sounds complicated doesn't it <laughs> but, that's why we're not accountants man that's right but let's just say we'll just use negative gearing you know what negative gearing is right but then there's other a tax avoidance scheme would be say you have got a an investment property and you've also got a home loan you got a loan on both and so what you do is you decide to pay everything off the investment property and pay nothing off your home loan, right? So then that would be tax avoidance because you're paying all the money that you should have that you would normally pay off your home loan, you're paying off your No, sorry, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. Sure we didn't need Eric this week. We did. I know. I was spewing <laughs> that he Anybody out of at the flu? There, there. It's, it's like, so look, it's like this, Glenn. Yeah, obviously, that's right. So, it's, sorry, it's the other way around. So, you've got your your um your investment property, and you and you're paying all everything off your home loan because there's no there's no benefit of having a home loan tax wise. So you're paying everything off your home loan, and your your um your loan on your investment property is either staying the same or increasing because of the way that you're doing it. Does that make sense? Not really? Okay. All right. Um, now, during getting back to this 
tax structure thing. It's very complicated. I've got a headache. <laughs> During almost two hours of the grilling, the Google Australia Manager Director, Ma- Maylee, did you see her? She was she was giving it to him. Uh, Maylee Carnegie and Microsoft Vice President of the Worldwide Tax Bill Sample. That's his name, Bill Sample. What a name. <laughs> revealed most of the Australian revenue was booked by an affiliate business in Singapore. Google's Australian tax trucks revealed the local organisation provides sales and marketing services to Google Singapore for which it receives revenue. It also provides research and development for Google globally. Look, it is, it's very, it's, I, I, talking about it, I know I'm not explaining it properly. So the best thing to do if you're interested in it is go and click into the show notes and read the article yourselves. But it's all about the guts of it is that you buy a song or you buy something here in Australia via Apple that is not, Apple's not paying tax on that in Australia. They're, they're sending it to Singapore and paying the tax in Singapore. Because yep. Singapore's got 17% tax rate or something, and in Australia it's 30%. So that's why. And you can reduce the 17% with incentives and stuff. So. Even further. That's right. That's right. All right. Uh, what else have we got, Jace? An Australian law graduate is spearheading a class action lawsuit against Facebook for alleged privacy breaches. They said the first hearing of tomorrow, he hopes the case will eventually lead to an overhaul of a Wild West approach to data protection. Max Schrems and 25,000 other Facebook users are suing the social network for various rights violations, ranging from the illegal tracking of their data under EU law to Facebook's involvement in the PRISM surveillance program of the United States National Security Agency. Mm. Basically, we're asking Facebook to stop mass surveillance, to have a proper privacy policy that people can understand, but also to stop collecting data of people that are not even Facebook users. There's a wide number of issues in the lawsuit, and we hope to kind of win all of them and get a landmark case against U.S. data-gathering companies. The case has been brought against Facebook's European headquarters in Dublin, which registers all accounts outside of the United States and Canada, making up some of 80% of Facebook's 1.35 billion users. Scrims was able to file his action against Irish subsidiary at a civil court in Vienna because under EU law, all member states have to enforce court rulings from any other member state. Among other issues, judges will have to rule on Facebook's objection that the class action is inadmissible under Austrian law, an objection dismissed by Schrems' lawyer as lacking any substance. Hmm. So, good luck to you, mate. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot yeah, of people you... who try to get money out of Facebook and have failed. Yeah, all oh, people trying to get... What was that story we had the other week? Um... That Speaking was... of people with lots of lawyers, Facebook has them out the wazoo, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, look, they've all got them. They've all got them. Imagine, like, it's true. Like, you see on these, you know, these lawyer shows and everything, you see the companies walk in. Bum, and they, bum. They, yeah, they come in with about 10 lawyers. And why do they all sit? Why do they, they take 10 of them to sit into the courtroom? Do they all just come up with an idea as the thing goes, I don't know. I don't understand it. It's all getting too complicated for me. <laughs> well, something that I can understand an aluminium phone battery can be charged in a minute. Now, researchers who detailed their discovery in the journal Nature said the new aluminium-iron battery had the potential to replace lithium-iron batteries used in millions of phones and laptops. Besides recharging much faster, the new aluminium battery is safer than existing lithium-iron batteries, which occasionally burst into flames. A team led by chemistry professor... Oh, here we go. Hongjie... Hongjie Dai at the Stanford University in California made a breakthrough by accidentally discovering that graphite made a good partner to aluminium. In a prototype, aluminium was used to make the negatively charged anode, while graphite provided material for the positively charged cathode. 
A prototype aluminium battery recharged in one minute. While lithium-ion batteries last about 1,000 cycles, a new aluminium battery was able to continue after more than 7,500 cycles without loss of capacity. So there you go. And that was a, a discovery pretty much by accident. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? A lot of things Sounds happen good. by accident. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Excellent news. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Some people are made by accident. <laughs> well, yeah, it doesn't stop with batteries, does it? <laughs> uh, what else, James? You got anything else? Yeah, some more Australian stuff. As Australia gears up for the launch of the Apple Watch, Commonwealth Bank is jumping on wearables trend with a new ComBank app for Android and iOS. Launching in a matter of weeks for smartwatches running Android 4.3 or later, the app will also be coming to the Apple Watch, though the bank says it's still completing final testing and won't give a firm launch date. While ComBank is not the first financial institution to come to the wearable app party, St. George launched a smartwatch app in 2014. It is one-upping its competitors with the inclusion of cardless cash functionality on its app. Already a service available to existing ComBank customers using a smartphone app Cardless Cash lets customers withdraw cash from any ComBank ATM using an eight-digit code sent to their device. Hmm. On the wearable iteration of the app, users swipe to select the amount of money to withdraw, and after a short wait, the withdrawal code and a four-digit pin are sent to their smartwatch with a countdown timer showing when the code will expire. The app also shows them allows them to use the ATM locator feature to find their nearest ATM to withdraw cash, while a simple balance feature shows a simple summary of the bank accounts and savings at a glance. ComBank has been forging ahead in the mobile payment space, launching cardless cash for smartphones just under a year ago in a bid to advance its mobile wallet agenda. Cardless cash transactions now account for some 60,000 withdrawals a week. The bank also launched an update for its Android app last month, bringing contactless payments to any NFC-enabled device running Android 4.4 KitKat or later. The update does away with the need for additional hardware such as ComBank's pay tag and allows customers just to tap and pay using the app. Yeah, right. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Commonwealth Bank, there's been a couple of ads about they've got some little tablet-y device, isn't it? But look, I was just, I was just, just searching now uh, just on the internet there while you were telling that story and I thought here's something that you might be interested in. Maybe the future, a side of one of your future gigs. The KISS, you know the band? Yeah, Aaron talks to open a rock restaurant in Australia. Ah, that's interesting because the song I did at karaoke last night was Tom Jones' Kiss. <laughs> oh, right. There's probably a different one than Kiss Kiss. Yeah. Mm. Uh, how did karaoke go? Good. Yeah, yeah, had a lot of fun. Oh, you got a good voice? You sing or not really? I've been doing karaoke a lot. I used to do it probably like 15 years ago in Sydney all the time, every couple of weeks or so, but haven't had a chance since then, so... Time yeah. to get back into it. Why not? Yeah. What sort of songs do you pick out of the, the book? Like upbeat well, there's song? one by Tom Jones called Kiss. Yeah. I, I don't know that one. I have to look at that one. Is that an upbeat It's written one? by Prince. Yeah, still don't know. You don't have to be beautiful. Oh, that one. Yeah. turn my arm. Um, oh, no, I also one. do a lot of Guns N' Roses and stuff too. All right. Now you've got some uh, audio, audio work just being released. Some Doctor Who adventures or something. Fan adventures on audio. Yeah, fan fiction, the nth Doctor Adventures. Check it out on YouTube. Mm. Oh, it's on YouTube, is it? I thought it was a... Yep. a, a so is it video? No. Ah. What's on YouTube? Is it just a still? Yes. Okay. Mostly a black screen, but you can hear us talking. Right, okay. Cool, cool. All right. There's uh, a guy who does a really good David Tennant. You would think it was almost him. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. 
look, I've pretty much run out of stories. I was in a bit of a rush. I had a big day, big day at work. So yep. I'm just, I'm just going to quickly just brush through a couple of ones I've just found while I've been scrolling. Sure. Uh, so YouTube to roll out ad-free subscription services. So Bloomberg reported that Google, which owns YouTube, will roll out a subscription service which will allow viewers to watch its billions of videos without sitting through all those ads. Free. Yeah, nice. Don't know how much are they going to charge me, though. Uh, let's see what it says. Imagine you can watch the latest awesome trailer. Yes, technically an ad, but enjoyable one without being made to trudge through a 30-second sell on how... Yeah, blah, you have to blah, watch blah, an blah. ad before you can watch yeah, an ad. That's right, Yes. <laughs> Uh, we're excited to build on this, blah, blah, blah. Subscription services such as Netflix have been dominating web traffic in the US. Netflix accounts for 35% of web traffic. Currently, YouTube will allow users to skip through many of the pre-roll ads, but only after the first five seconds and only if the person who updated the video allows for the option. Uh, YouTube's subscription will be made available as soon as this year, although it's unclear which this may be when this will be rolled out to Australian users and how much it will cost. Yeah, there you go. And look, where where else was I the other day? You know, I've been having a beef about you can't talk to anyone, eh? Like Google, nah, serious? They want to, someone wants to talk to us, you know? And I phoned uh, Epson. Epson, mm-hmm. they sell printers. I wanted yep. to buy a, a docket printer. You'd think they'd answer their phone, wouldn't you? No. You can't find a phone number on the web page. You can find their office, so I rang that. No, you got to contact us through the web page. So. <laughs> I'm hot to trot. I want to get this printer. I'm hot. You know? <laughs> they cut down on the cost of CSRs by putting up a web page and say, type your stuff in there, mate, so I want to get back to you one day. Yeah. So I did. And two days later, someone got back to me. It was too late. I'm, I'm cold now. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've got an HP one. Screw you, man. Yeah. No. Well, I've, I've, I've made, um, made arrangements for... I had, my brother had this old parallel docket printer. All right, his computer blew up. Uh, so when he got this new computer, didn't have no he, parallel, he a parallel port. Parallel port from no. So I bought a a uh, adaptation adapter, a, a, a expansion card, parallel port expansion card. Stuck that in there. It hasn't got it working yet, but uh, but I mean, you know, we if, if Epson could have picked up their phone, well, we you would have bought money. a seven hundred dollar printer yep. off them. We just want to know which one. <laughs> And look, there's heaps of it. I can't understand it. I really can't. Like, and what I thought printers were pretty competitive, you know. Like maybe Google, yeah, they're big. Ah, who else does searches and and online ads? Bing. <laughs> so you know they're out there by themselves. But I thought printers. You think people would answer their phone? I can't yeah, believe try and it. Sell as much as possible. Yeah, I, I just I just can't get over it. Can't fathom it. But anyway. Um, let's keep looking. See what else we got. You got anything else, Jace? Yeah, a few more there. Yeah, cool. Give us give us another one. All right. Has Facebook or Twitter become spoiler filled ground you fear to tread because you can't watch Game of Thrones as it airs? Yes. Google's got your back. Ooh. The search engine giant was granted a patent by the US Patent and Trademark Office on Tuesday for a system and method for processing content spoilers. The proposed filter would identify spoilers about TV shows, books, and movies and remove them from your social media feeds until you're up to date. Mm. Google's patent takes a step further than a simple keyword-based filter that blocks all related content, though. Rather than sticker every post about a certain show or book with spoiler warning, 
The patent proposes a system that tracks, for example, all the episodes of a show that users have watched. It could then automatically censor content in the user's feed if the post is about an episode the user hasn't already seen themselves. The post would still appear, but if the system thinks it detects a spoiler, the content would be censored. And on the off chance you succumb to temptation, you can click past the spoiler tag and see what was posted. But don't say you weren't warned. Of course, this would all depend on users either manually logging in or opting in to have their viewing tracked, Mm. similar to how Netflix currently tracks viewing and posts to connected social media accounts. But with the streaming on-demand content fast becoming new norm and people tweeting their reactions to red weddings as soon as they happen, the potential for integration and the need to give unwanted spoilers the boot is definitely there. Yeah, like that is a bit of a problem. I, I know, like, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I imagine that if there is a big delay between when it's aired in the US and when it's aired here, yes, that's a problem. Because I know when Doctor Who is aired, uh, it's pretty much the same within about 48 hours. So I, I stay That's off. why I have to have two Facebook groups for Doctor Who, yeah. one to discuss... <laughs> Um, things that people have seen a while ago and want to discuss stuff that may have just happened, but people are like, no, I haven't seen it yet. Don't yeah, tell me. Don't tell me. Yeah, but that's right. Like, I, I go off Facebook, and even with, and even to the extent, even of daylight saving, because as Queensland doesn't have it and New South Wales does, and and Melbourne and Tasmania, that like it's like I don't know. Say you're watching, um, I don't know, who's a celebrity? Get me out of here or whatever that show was. Then you know, yeah. if you're on Facebook while you're watching it, you'll see I who. I can't wa- believe they voted him off the island. I know. Oh my god, he was awesome. He was so cute. <laughs> but like, oh, but it, it's, uh, even even at, in daylight saving, there's only an hour difference. But you can get it ruined by yep. by Facebook. So you, I just stay off it. If I know there's a show coming up that's time sensitive or whatever, I just stay off it. What yeah. about people who take the sports and then they want to watch it when they get home? They sit down there. Okay, ready to watch the sports. Mm. Oh, guess what? I can't believe it. Manly won that one. Lol. <laughs> oh, well, there's no point in watching the bloody No thing point yet. in you watching suck. that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, but look, that's, thankfully most of the games are live. But as you said, if you recorded them, yeah, like, yeah, I, I, um, I don't answer my phone. I don't accept text messages. If I've got a game to watch when I get yep. home, uh, yeah, I'm, I give it to Kim and say, here, what's this about? I don't want any scores, no nothing. Because, yeah, it does. It, it ruins it for you. But uh, but anyway, Game of Thrones, apparently on Foxtel, it's on at the same time as the US. It's 11.40 in the morning or something. So like, they're, they're trying to, you know, get on top of things. But, but then yeah, again, they, it's on Yeah, you Foxtel. would tape it a lot of the time because it's on so early, then you want to watch it that night. But yeah. everyone on Twitter from the US, your best friend is like, oh, I can't believe the Red Wedding. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Someone, I can't believe someone got his head knocked off. Yeah, and all that. Well, you can because of the type of show it is. <laughs> Everyone gets their head knocked off or something on that show. Yeah. They're either getting their head knocked off or they're getting knocked up. I don't know. <laughs> so is it, do you watch it? I watched the first two seasons and I went, what's the point? Yeah, okay. Why is that? They just sort of just continually drag. Just doesn't seem to be worthwhile continuing after the first couple of seasons. I just couldn't continue. Yeah. And uh, my housemate in Sydney had the same thing. I got friend down here, um, a friend of mine, I hadn't met her husband. And so I, um, once I'd moved down here, they invited us over and we went over and uh, met him and the kids and um, chatting to him. And he's like, now, we mentioned something about Game of Thrones came up and he's like, so what did you think of it? I said, 
after the first two seasons, I couldn't watch it anymore. He's like, why not? I'm like, I couldn't see the point to it. It's just not that engaging. I mean, they got the titillating sex and the naked people, and you can see just about everything all the time, and extremely gory, violent, just to keep viewers. But apart from that, it just didn't have the the catch that would hold yeah. me there to yeah. keep watching it. Well, that's fair enough. I've never got into it myself. I don't know why everyone seems to be into it, but I've never been into it. But anyway, all right. Uh, any more, Jace? Yeah. Cool. One more. Let's do one Providing more. free Wi-Fi in town camps could be the key to reducing the number of young people on the streets of Alice Springs at night, according to a major youth service provider. Locals in the remote town have been concerned about young people roaming the streets at night, and Labor MP Lynn Walker said she believed free Wi-Fi in the Todd Street Mall was providing a lure to youth. The Easter long weekend saw a spike in crime with at least 30 incidents of graffiti in five locations on Monday night. Central Australia Youth Link-Up Service Operations Manager Blair McFarland said that his organisation previously set up a free computer room in the Indigenous community of Pepunya, 240 kilometres northwest of Alice Springs. It was incredibly successful pretty much from the word go. The community really embraced it. Mostly it was young people using it, but you would also get grandmothers coming in and looking through old photos. Mr McFarland said another benefit was the kids in Papunya were all now extremely computer literate. Kalis has since rolled out free internet access to other communities and Mr McFarland said it would be much cheaper to provide free Wi-Fi to the town camps around Alice Springs. Here in town you could have free unlimited Wi-Fi for $50 a month and the good thing about this particular strategy is it doesn't require staff. Mr McFarland said he approached the NT government but was told there's no money available. There never how is, is. How is free unlimited Wi-Fi $50 a month? I'm not sure. About. <laughs> well, you know, it's the same for as... 50 bucks. Unlimited means different things. Unlimited doesn't mean the Oxford version of unlimited. Unlimited no. means uh, not unlimited. What we it, say it is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Unlimited means, yeah, something... Five gigs a month unlimited data. Hmm. Now, look, just a, just a one last passing comment on this illegal downloading Dallas Buyers Club rubbish. It was just, I noticed, oh, I don't know if I read it somewhere this week or if I listened to it on the radio, but it was quite, it was interesting because whoever was, they go, um, oh, uh, have you downloaded this movie and uh, do you think you might get a letter and or whatever? And the, and the chick who was, was either on the radio or was, I was reading it. But anyway, the response was, no, no, oh, no, they won't catch me because, uh, yes, I did download it, but as soon as I heard that the court case happened, I went home and I deleted it all off my computer. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yes. So uh, she, she'll be right now. She'll be right, mate. It's all yeah. deleted. Nothing, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. It was Go never away. there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I got These are not the torrents you're looking for. <laughs> All right. So, look, that's just about uh, brought us to the end of the show. Let me tell you about the AussieTechRadio.com, AussieTechRadio.com, 24-7 tech shows, back-to-back, yeah, one after the other, and they just repeat, you know. Uh, what? So uh, we've got a, a number of shows in the lineup, and if those people produce a show in the past seven days then they get put up onto the, the cycle. So that's why there's sometimes there's there's shows up there and sometimes there's ones like Obsidian Loft, like Jace's show. Sometimes Would it's there. I believe another episode of Old Fart Geeks was recorded a couple of nights ago. I just got to produce the video and get it up on there. Put it in there. Good stuff. We'll see. That one will be up on the radio next week. So that's yep. how it works, you see. So don't forget the, the radio. Don't forget the YouTube uh, at uh, youtube.com forward slash Aussie Techheads. Show notes are at aussietechheads.com.au. And you can email us, any of us, Shane, Jason, Eric, Will or Glenn at aussietechheads.com.au and it will come to us. 
All right, uh, it's been a bit of a quiet night, quiet week. Uh, Apologies, I didn't have too many stories slotted in there for this week's episode, but it's just been quite hectic. But I think the the, the biggest stories of the the week were the illegal downloading decision and the uh, the Senate inquiry with the the big three. Thanks. Yeah, the big three dudes. All right, so thanks for coming in, Jace. Um, no worries. We'll catch you next time. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, we'll see you guys next time too. So until then, it's uh, have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.